How ready are you for this process? I'm a year away. Okay. I mean, emotionally, not physically. I'm sitting in an office at a sperm bank, and even their marketing guy can tell I'm struggling. It's hard because you have to accept the plan A didn't work out. Right. It's a different plan. Yeah. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andrea Salenzi. And if I could have a baby with myself, I would. Is that weird? You bet. But you know what else is weird? Having a baby with someone I'm not in love with, which is what I'm trying to figure out how to do in a series called The Single Lady's Guide to Sperm Shopping. Last week, I tested out an app for finding a sperm donor because I'm all about apps, but it creeped me out. This week, I'm going to try to learn everything I can about sperm donation. We'll hear from someone who had a baby this way, someone who's donated, and we'll hear what happens when I go to a sperm bank. Because at the end of that visit, I'm taking something home. Adrian walks into her daughter's room and records a short video for Instagram. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Pokies. And every morning, I watch as her daughter Kate looks up from her crib and grins, thrilled to see her one and only most favorite parent. And thank you for sleeping all through the night. I feel like a whole new woman to you. I randomly found Adrian's Instagram using a single mom by choice hashtag. I love watching how she does meal prep for her daughter. The outfits she picks, the little bow head wraps. But to get here, Adrian had to go through a lot of what I'm dealing with right now. First of all, to have so many conversations about the word sperm is just weird. You basically go your whole life avoiding sperm, and now you're seeking it out and you want like the perfect sperm because it's gonna go inside your body, which is like very creepy in itself. When Adrienne was growing up, she always knew that two things were in her destiny. Being a mom and falling in love and getting married, like the forever kind of love. But there wasn't a rush. You know, in the meantime, you go to college and you live your life and you travel the world and like you get a cool job and then you get a cooler job and then you get an even cooler job. And then pretty soon you have this career and you're like, where's the guy? Where'd he go? Is he here? Jeff? Jason? Are you here anywhere? So when Adrian turned 36, holy cow, that's almost 40, she started saving up to become a single mom. At 38, she was referred by her fertility doctor to the websites of different sperm banks. Honestly, it was like match.com for sperm. It was weird. So let me tell you what it's like to visit a website like this. Unlike a dating website, it's all childhood photos. So you're looking into the eyes of these happy, tiny-toothed children posing for their school pictures while you start filtering your sperm donors by height, eye color, hair color, hair texture, race, ancestry, blood type, education level, and even celebrity lookalike. What I selected was a blonde donor. But you can also give them advantages, like looking for a donor who's taller than members of your family. Because you can be picky on these things. Adrian went even further. 
looking for a perfect medical history. So if there were certain kinds of genetic cancers, I was like, no thanks, because I could do that. And then she looked closer at the childhood photos. One had ears that were very protrudy. Sorry, kid. Another had a smile that was kind of like a joker. You think this is funny? <laughs> did it feel like online shopping a little? It really did, and it felt strange. Because in a world where you want nothing more than to fall in love and get married and have a baby the traditional way, it felt strange to be that picky because none of us are that picky when we're actually dating. You fall in love with who you fall in love with. But these profiles give you an extreme level of detail. Like, I know about donor 15543's paternal grandfather's pacemaker. And donor 15816, his father developed gout in his 40s, and his mom has a herniated disc. It was very, very strange, I would say, yeah. Yeah. In the dating world, you know you found your person when you feel a spark. Even Carrie in Sex and the City believes in the spark. I sparked with this person. I never spark. Were you, they say you feel a spark when you come across the right profile. Did you feel that? I did. I totally did. I felt like this was the profile. I just felt like drawn to this person. I felt like his family, they were pretty close-knit. They took some cool trips together. Yeah, I kind of got a good vibe about him and his life. Adrian's family supported her plan. Even my 85-year-old Roman Catholic grandmother was supportive of it. He said, good for you. You were meant to be a mom. And I said, thank you. Wow. All right, then. So after Adrian sparked with this donor, she drove out to visit her parents and said, let's see who you guys pick. So we followed the same process. We narrowed it down based on medical history. I told them nothing. I let them guide it, right? I put the, I projected my computer on the TV so that everybody could see. We sat around and we drank Prosecco. <laughs> and we, we went through the same exact process by medical history background. Then we narrowed it down. Then we looked at the package again with the pictures. We narrowed it down to the exact same donor. And then my mom and dad were like, oh, Adrian, all that and he sold out. Next to his profile was a tiny red vial. And I was like, got something to tell you guys. And they're like, what? And I was like, I bought the last five vials like three months ago. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I said, yep, we all picked the same donor. Adrian had been so sure about this guy that when she saw his supply was running low, she invested. Sperm can cost as much as $1,000 a vial, plus storage fees. She bought out his whole stock. So $4,500 later, I now have sperm. Not just sperm. Sperm she's sure about. All of the greatest love stories have both of these elements. The feeling of, I just knew. And it was meant to be. Falling in love is so big and scary and life-changing. You don't want it to seem like the choice was all yours. There are these outside forces at work. And I think that's what a lot of us dream about when picking a sperm donor. Maybe some random detail like his love for French toast will feel like a sign. If Adrian's parents randomly picked the same donor, then this was clearly the right and only choice for her future. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And because she made that choice, 
She now has a sweet, beautiful girl to wake up every day. Good morning. In one of my favorite morning videos, Kate is surprised to see her grandpa wake her up. Good morning, Catherine. It's good to see you. Good morning. Did you have nice sleeps? Grandpa Don't carries baby me. Kate around the room like a trophy. Oh she looks just like him. How big you got? How big you got already? In these moments, there's no reason to ever think about the sperm donor. Adrian could walk past him on the street, never know it was him, because Adrian's only ever seen his childhood photos. And honestly, I did not want an adult photo. Interesting. Yeah, because I thought I'd go around, like, looking for that person. I just didn't. mm -mm. For now, what Adrian has looks as close to having a baby with yourself as possible. But I know me, and I wonder if having a donor-conceived kid would be like living with a ghost. The only thing that could get me out of my head about this would be feeling a... And maybe my family could also help me get there. I'm Michael Salenzi, Andrea's younger brother. On my last visit home, I sat down with my family. I'm the mom. I was hoping to get the Adrian experience. So what would we look for in a sperm donor? But this is the actual pause after I asked the question. <clears throat> and then... Well, you would look for somebody who would look either like your dad or your brother. For purchasing sperm? Andrea, we can't answer this for you. This would be your child, so this is 100% something that you have to choose. In a bit, I'm going right to the source. Maybe by making a pilgrimage to the sperm bank, I'll have no choice but to... Stay with us. months ago, right at the beginning of summer. I'm so excited doing this. Oh, you're rolling. Yeah. yeah. My producer Jackie and I are visiting the California cryobank. At the time, she's five months pregnant. Jackie, did you ever think uh, months into your pregnancy you'd be at a sperm bank? I never thought I'd go to a sperm bank. <laughs> oh, the door's open. Oh, thank you. The California cryobank has been freezing and selling sperm for over 40 years. And they're one of the largest sperm banks in the country, and therefore the world. American sperm is a huge export because it's less regulated here than in other countries. Hey, Andrew's here. You're welcome. Meet our guide. I'm Scott Brown. I'm vice president of communications for California Cryobank. Their offices are modest. The California Cryobank is a for-profit company backed by venture capital funding. Sperm is reported to become a $5 billion industry by 2025. To give you a sense of that number, podcasting isn't even a billion-dollar industry yet, and avocados are only a $3 billion industry. I love that this is a business growing just to meet the needs of non-traditional families. Uh, heterosexual couples who initially were basically the, our entire client base back in the 70s and early 80s, are much smaller percentage now. They're less than 20% of our, of our total client base. So I tell Scott what I've been up to, how I downloaded 
Tinder for sperm. There are many good ways to start a family. That is a bad way to go about it. At the cryobank, there's an actual screening process. It involves doctors and lawyers. You're going to bypass all that and go to a website that's just an individual who thinks he'd be a great sperm donor. You don't even know if he has quality sperm. You don't know what his genetic history is, if he could be carrying a recessive trait for something that you're carrying a recessive trait for, putting your future child at risk. There are many states where if you engage in intercourse with an individual, regardless of what agreement you make with that individual, he is a biological legal parent. I've always felt like going to a sperm bank is how a grown-up would buy sperm. And California Cryobank is like the Ivy League for sperm. Less than 1% of our candidates qualified to become donors. At Harvard, it's like 10% of their applicants get in. It's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, we take it very seriously. The screening process is a very important part of what we do, not only to protect the health and well-being of the future offspring, but also to help people making a decision like you're talking about. I independently verified how selective they are, in a way. Remember Kyle from last week with the website BePregnantNow.com? I applied, but they have not got back to me yet. Another point for California Cryo. Then Scott helps me with my other biggest worry. What if by picking the wrong donor, I might assist in someone's agenda to carry on an Aryan bloodline? Well, we're not huge fans of white nationalists or hyper-narcissists. There is a psychological screening component to our program. Potential donors do meet with PhD psychologists and go through a whole personality assessment process. So uh, those types of personalities, I think, would be screened out for the most part. Does anyone ever not get through just because they're really annoying? (laughs) There is a subjective element to it. And our donor coordinators have the ability to say, we don't want to work with this individual because it is a job and they will be dealing with them on a, you know, a couple times a week. And so there certainly is a subjective element to the screening process. Yeah. Even more points for my cryobank. I've drank half the Kool-Aid by now. And the only thing that could help me finish the glass and write them a $5,000 check today would be seeing my guy and feeling that it's time to look. I asked Scott if we can use his premium subscription level to browse their donors. This is not me trying to work it so I don't have to pay for the thing. Okay, I'm kind of lying here. It's $145 to browse with a level two subscription where you can read their personal essays and their medical history. What's the biggest must-have criteria? Like, what's the one thing you cannot live without? He's got to be smart. Okay. I have, my dream, my dream okay. kid is, like, in the corner of a room reading a book, like, Mommy, can I help you clean the kitchen? So he's English. <laughs> your, your, dream, your dream child is, has an English I know, accent? He, he has, like, an unexplainable English accent. That's a joke I've been telling for a while, to point out how, as a single mom, I'm going to want the most helpful kid who can entertain themselves. But did you hear my voice go down before I made my joke? (sighs) He's got to be smart. That's one of the things I care so deeply about. I'm terrified I won't find it. So you have brown hair and blue eyes. Do you want potentially your child to have blue eyes, in which case you have to have a donor who has the recessive blue eye trait? Oh, I don't think I care about eyes. I think I care about personality. What else do we have that would give me a clue about his personality? personality. Well, we can do areas of study, like something specific the donor Whoa, like what they majored in. Yeah. (gasps) 
Oh. So do you want, uh, so you want to sitting in a quarter reading a book? So that's probably. English language and literature, my guy. All right, there we go. Let's see what that gets us down to. Now we're down to 10. All right, that's a good click because now we have guys we can start looking at in more detail. Scott pulls up a profile. It's a cute, generic-looking kindergartner with brown hair. Quick-witted introvert. Oh, this sounds like. Quick-witted school. One, four, six, seven, eight is usually quiet when he meets new people, silently observing them with his piercing, inquisitive green eyes. When he starts to talk, though, he quickly reveals his dry sense of humor and warm personality. He also loves to discuss. So while Scott's reading 14678's profile, I'm thinking of something else. Before I came to the sperm bank, one of the ways I prepared was by interviewing one of our listeners. In 2007, Ryan was a student at UCLA when he saw a classified ad in his college paper. Make up to $2,000 a month by donating sperm. Ryan made an appointment at California Cryobank. To me at that time, that was a lot of money. After he was approved to donate, they had him fill out a questionnaire about himself. This became the basis of the write-up about him. Hardworking psychology major. Like, I don't think I describe myself as a hard worker, but they put that in there. Blue-eyed dog lover. I mean, I don't know. Is it? Am I a dog lover? Yeah, I don't dislike dogs. He's a big fan of burgers and fries. <laughs> Which, like, who doesn't like burgers and fries? I don't know why you put that on a profile. One theory, there was an In-N-Out burger across the street from where he donated. And so I probably was thinking, like, what did I eat today? Oh, I got In-N-Out. I've talked to Ryan for hours about sperm. And it's clear to me that this profile missed a lot of the things that are important to truly knowing him. Back when he was donating, Ryan spent his summers taking care of his grandparents. He walked them to the grocery store. He grew up and became a professor of human development and family studies. He's gay and thoughtful and curious and funny. He likes to begin each semester by asking his students to guess how many kids they think he has. No one ever guesses 18. A blue-eyed, dog-loving fan of burgers and fries— was just a generic description meant to sell sperm. Really, this profile that's here probably could describe 700 people, right, at, at UCLA at the time. I want this to work so bad. I want to get my sperm from the grown-up place and never think about sperm again. But as Scott was reading me off these different profiles, I started silently freaking out. And then, not so silently. You'll hear it all in a bit. Welcome back. So last week on the show, my friend Kathy Geiswhite suggested I do one thing a week to get closer to becoming a parent. And for a few weeks, I started watching movies about sperm. I'm going to have a baby. Romantic comedies and dramas, sometimes starring J-Lo. I've been inseminated. Always about sperm. Yes. Inseminated. What I love about these films is that they're a safe way to engage with my real anxieties related to this process. My favorite is the movie Made in America, starring Whoopi Goldberg. She's a single mom after going to a sperm bank and explicitly requesting a black donor. But then her teenage daughter hacks into the sperm bank computers, comes home with news about her donor dad. Emma, you're not going to believe this, but um, he's a white car salesman. Wait a minute. What, what do you mean? What, he's like, like white, white? White, white, white. You mean he's like a like a creamy eggshell kind of tan? 
No, like white, like totally white, like a white guy. Then there's the movie Delivery Man, where the character David Wozniak, played by Vince Vaughn, discovers what came of all those years he donated sperm. You have sired 533 children, and 142 of them wish to know your identity. What? You are the biological father of 533 children. This is based on something we've all read about, right? Herds of donor-conceived siblings. It's a phenomenon that was largely discovered and documented by Wendy Kramer. She used donor sperm to get pregnant in 1989. California Cryobank told us there were no more than three kids. They told people no more than 10 kids. You know, basically, whoever answers the phone at a sperm bank gives you a different number, even back then. Wendy created a website to connect donor-conceived people. It's called the Sibling Donor Registry. Before it, there was no way to check this. The registry started in the year 2000, and right away, families started comparing their experiences with sperm banks. So many of us went into this thinking, it's the medical community. So of course, HIPAA, first do no harm. And what many of us started to realize at some point was, oh my God, this isn't the medical community. These are sperm sellers. That's it. California Cryobank doesn't limit the number of offspring each donor can help produce, but instead the number of families they can help to make, sometimes with multiple siblings. When I interviewed Adrian, she told me that these limits really matter to her. I liked that this bank only allowed 10 biological families. But on their website, California Cryobank never says 10 families. It says their limit is 25 to 30. So as these groups you know, came close to 10 and then started surpassing 10, not just for California Cryobank, but for also Fairfax and Zytex, the other big ones, we all started to realize, oh, wow, what the sperm banks have promised all of us isn't the truth. There are a lot of obstacles to limiting how many kids each donor conceives. First of all, Wendy's group found that 20 to 40 percent of all pregnancies resulting from donated sperm are never reported back to the sperm banks. So there could be more kids out there than ever get counted. Plus, sperm donors don't often limit themselves to only one bank. Wendy's group found that as many as 28% of the donors, after they're cut off at one bank, will go on to donate at another one. You know, I think one guy donated to 17 clinics. And that's how we get movies like Delivery Man. Your sperm is of a very high quality. Thank you. I'm sure your sperm is also uh, high-end. Back in Scott's office, I was imagining Wendy on one shoulder and Scott on the other. The Wendy side is telling me sperm matters, nature and genetics matter. The other side, the Scott side, is saying, just pick any schmuck. Your baby will be the best baby. A lot of parents think, oh, it's just a donated cell. Oh, it's just a piece of genetic material. To you, it might be just a donated cell or just a piece of genetic material. But to your child, it's one half of who they are, one half of their ancestry, one half of their medical background, one half of their physical attributes, one half of their mental abilities. And to many voter-conceived people, that is profound. When you have your child, you will never consider the donor you didn't choose. 
there's no uh, buyer's remorse at the end of this process. Like getting really? your child, I promise you, nobody has ever come back to me and said, you know, if I had chose 11567, my daughter's eyes would be a little bit bluer and that might've made for, you know, a happier, happier childhood for her and I'd be a happier parent. It, it doesn't happen. No one's ever disappointed. But I have buyer's remorse all the time for so many other decisions I make in my life. But your child is going to be perfect. All of that is going through my mind while Scott reads off donors. How about, how about this guy? Green-eyed scholar has an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Ooh, his motto is, the world is complex, huge, and spectacular, and he wants to experience it all. Do you have a motto? Do I have a <laughs> Who motto? Who has a motto? Okay, next. When he's not studying or typing up a new short story, he enjoys golfing with his dad, cooking, and traveling. Golfing can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> Golfing's the deal breaker? <laughs> no, it's a joke, but kind of isn't. All right, so he's really into golf. I don't have any friends who are golfers or okay. who are college golfers. Okay. That's, that's only two of ten. But that's how you're spending your money? I don't do Golf? And, and, like, they have to water the greens and think about the environment. It's reclaimed water. Then my final straw. This guy's personal essay lists a favorite band. Uh-oh, system of a down. I gotta go. <laughs> That's when he's angry. He listens to heavy metal. Maybe it's oh. a Romanian thing. I can't. I gotta go. I want to know everything about these guys. But the more I know, the easier it is for me to disqualify them. Am I ruining sperm shopping? The same way I ruined dating? Tell Scott I don't feel well. I really have to go. And that's when he said. How ready are you for this process? I'm a year away. Okay. The eternal salesman gives up on me. I mean emotionally, not physically. It's hard because you have to accept the plan A didn't work out. Right. It's a different plan. Yeah. I've been approaching sperm shopping the way I've approached dating and relationships. I treat both like this rigorous and intense process, when the truth is, the only way either thing will ever work is if I surrender some of my expectations. We put so much pressure on ourselves to control things that we can't always control, and I think this is a good example of it. Like, you can control which donor you choose, but that doesn't really help you control your future child. They're going to be who they're going to be, and no donor you choose lines that up for you. At the end of our meeting, Scott gave me and our producer Jackie a pair of light-up pens with floating sperm inside. They swim back and forth when you tilt the pen. We love them, try to resist exchanging high fives. On the side of the pen, it says their motto, there's more to life than just sperm. As we left, I noticed a picture of Scott's family on his desk. He's married. His family's all dressed up like the Adams family for Halloween. Their costumes are incredible. That's my fans. Our Halloween. No, yeah. it's your my Halloween wife and my daughter. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Scott asked Jackie when she's due. She and her husband Malcolm are about to have a baby girl. There's more to life than just sperm. I wish. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time, I jokingly ask Wendy Kramer from the Donor Sibling Registry 
if she knows a guy. Yeah, I have one daughter. Most of his kids are now older teens to mid-20s. They're amazing. He's amazing. I actually feel really good about her recommendation. If I was in your shoes today, I would feel exactly the way that you feel right now. But am I ready to follow through? Um, If you want to know who he is, I'll tell you who he is. This episode was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Elizabeth Nakano and Jackie Sajiko. Our editor is Abigail Keel, who's also the senior producer of a show we love called Unladylike. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineer is Pete Karam. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Akatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. If you're thinking about using sperm from a bank, I have some tips we've put together on our website. Visit longestshortesttime.com to learn more. And as always here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear your stories. Back in 2017, we did a series about workplace discrimination against moms. It was called It's a Real Mother. We want to know what's been changing for you in your workplace. Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the participate tab, and submit your story. Okay. Da, da.